Doc, can you help us? We keep having nightmares and don't know what to do. It's possible I can. Tell me what the problem is, and I'll give it a try. We keep fighting the same horrible creatures ruining the world and infusing crystals with our energy. Then once we beat all of them and the world should be saved, we have to do it all over again. They move around a little and don't seem to know us, but they're still the same villains over and over. Right. This type of dream never lasts more than 10,000 repetitions. You'll be fine in almost 30 years. Now a podcast so grand. Whoa. So magnificent and so vast, it spans from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. No way. Yes way. But it starts with Phil. How do you choose the best equipment? And Mike. The one that looks the best, dude. Bill, Mike, this is really quite simple. Unless you get an A-plus on your final oral report in video game history tomorrow, I have no choice but to flunk the boat of you. Two epic airheads. Mike, we are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. One time-traveling telephone booth. Uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm here to help you with your history report. Who knew the history of video games could be such an excellent adventure? Yo, dude, I have experience bar. How do I get experienced? It's like when you learn stuff for a long time, you know? Oh, oh, look, Mike. Okay, let's check it out. Hey, who is this old dude? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Hey, excuse me, old dude. Do you know if there's any bogus bosses of historic significance here? How's it going, ugly pixelated dude? These are your hosts, Philip Willis. Those are some hot magic slinging babes. And Mike Meeky. It's a gaming report, not a babe report. And all kinds of games from RPG Backtrack. You guys are really us. What game are we thinking of? Shining Force, dude! Dudes! This is Phil and Mike's Excellent RPG Backtrack. Welcome aboard RPG Backtrack. This is number 172, Courageous Finances. As that earlier voice said, we are your two hosts. I am Phil Willis, and this is the one, the only, Mr. Mike Meeky. Well, thank you. I'll try to live up to that superlative introduction. I'm sure I'll fail because I'm not quite that amazing, but I'll come close. Maybe could happen. Well, if you do, then you would also be right up there with the one, the only, Miss Strawberry Eggy Wiggies, Lego My Egos, a.k.a. Cassandra Ramen Noodles. Hello. Still Ramen Noodles, apparently. It's the first thing that pops in my head each time. It's the first thing that pops in my head every time. Don't know why. Because I'm a wind trick pony. What's up, Cassandra? (laughs) How you doing? Long time no chat. Yes, and... Oddly, the last time I was on, we were discussing this as a uh, blast from the recent past. <laughs> I know, and now it gets its very own show. We're defaulting <laughs> to Bravely Default tonight. Aren't you excited? Mildly. And and you'll be excited to know we're actually going to be recording this show today, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday, four days straight. We're going to be doing the and same And then we'll pod- get the best ending? And, and then, then you get the, be- the good ending? Yeah, then you'll get the best podcast. Pod- podcast 
we'll be saying more or less the same things, but we'll vary the order a little bit. And you right. learn a little bit more about us every little time that they could have done that much more compressed. Mm-hmm. Ah, this sounds like something we should be getting into the meat of, not doing in the introduction. Anyway. So, okay, maybe we'll only do it once. But that doesn't <laughs> stop y'all from listening, from playing this four times to see if you can get the super secret real ending to the podcast. So Actually, you have to do it five times. Five times. Okay. All right. So we're going to take a teeny tiny break. So y'all can go out and get a Coke or a beer or I'm drinking red wine tonight, whatever makes you happy. Get comfortable because you're going to be here a long time. I don't think you've ever had wine on the cast before. Yeah, I'm into wine lately. It's kind of my new kick because it's the lowest in sugar, which apparently is the best for me. So like if you got to consume, red wine is the way to go. So not white wine. We remember that. And some of these games force me to consume. So... The question is, is Bravely Default one of them? Ha-ha. Oh, Phil, we know that it's at a much higher level than certain other things you've had to drink heavily to either forget <laughs> or remember. I'm telling I, you. Must I mention Idea Factory again? <laughs> I think uh, you'll be getting down to a couple of bottles of wine before you can suppress the Idea Factory memories. Sure. Mm-mm. Or that one game that not only brought me to drink, but had me mixing different liquors together just to see how far out there I could get. Yeah. You Maybe never you. lost appearance, though. Mm-mm. But uh, let's take a tea tie break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're ready to talk about Bravely Default, known in Japan as Bravely Default Flying Squirrel, I mean Flying Fairy. This was uh, developed by Silicon Studio, published by Square Enix. This was uh, released on the Nintendo 3DS on October 11th. 2012. Good grief, hard to believe this was over four years ago. This is... Was that, was that the European release or the Japanese release? Japanese release. Oh, Japanese. Okay, let me, let me blow it up here. Uh, North America. Okay, February 7th, 2014. Oh my gosh, I thought I'd say, gosh, felt and, like we just picked it up. Phil, I, I know that it got a release in PAL territories before it got a North American release. Yeah, uh, released in uh, Europe on December 6th, 2013. Two months earlier. Also of note, we actually got the enhanced version, the for the sequel version. This is a single-player RPG experience. I just have to say that, just in case there's confusion. It says single-player, but there is a tiny, tiny bit of multiplayer in there. Sort of. Kind of. Sort of, kind of. Asynchronous. Yeah, Yeah. it's asynchronous. 
I'll let somebody who actually used that functionality talk about it. Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah, I so did. you're, you're up, Cassandra. Okay. Uh, well, okay. That multi. It's basically it's, you can street pass people or spot pass over the internet. Uh, you with your friends or with random people. Uh, you can send them one of your characters performing uh, a move during battle, some kind of super powerful attack, and then they can. And then you summon them, and they pop up in your game, and they perform that powerful move. It, could, it doesn't even have to be a powerful move, just a move. And it also influences part of the story way, way late in the game. We'll get to that later. So there we go. I do remember it now, but I was just, yeah, I was usually playing at home with no 3DS signals around. So I know. <laughs> you, can, you, can do it on, you can do it over the internet over Wi-Fi. So I, I don't think I've ever... No, I, I did street pass some people, but usually with me it was always just spot passing over Wi-Fi. And it could be very game-breaking, too, assuming you, you get people who had good moves and not somebody who just did the single attack. I'm so, sure there's someone around here who was also playing the game, but whether that someone was also playing the game at the same time I was, unlikely. That's... I only met somebody in this area who has a 3DS, uh, a workmate, a couple months ago. So it's it's not a popular thing around here. <laughs> so let's uh, let's uh, let's start off as we always do, uh, diving headfirst into the story. And 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 well, well, first first, just in case someone's actually never heard of this game before, actually, let's set this. this Stage for, for those of you who don't know, I'll, I'll give a little bit of my stuff, and then I'm gonna let y'all go to town on the story, because because especially Cassandra and tends to be a lot better with those details. But Bravely <laughs> Default made old school fanboys like me super excited because one of my critiques of Final Fantasy is that it's gone you know way off the tracks in terms of how it's set up. It's no longer really a turn based combat system. It's you know moved into full new territories for for better or worse that's your own opinion but for me personally I'm, I'm more of a fan of the old school approach and i've always said that the what the turn-based jrpg genre really needs is not a complete re- reinvention that takes it into a completely new territory that's no longer turn-based jrpg but rather just a, a new and fresh approach bravely default came out and when they talked about when they made those announcements they're like this is it isn't a Final Fantasy in game in name, but it certainly is in spirit. You are going after crystals in a turn-based combat system that ha- that we'll talk about later on, but but definitely has a a, a fresh take. Uh, Looking that- at our page on it, I actually see that when we knew almost nothing about it, its design seemed reminiscent of Final Fantasy: The Four Heroes of Light back on the that, DS. Yes, that's because it started its life as a, sequ- a direct sequel to that game, to The Four Heroes of Light. Then hmm. they thought, let's make this something different, so it's now a spiritual successor to it. Ah. And there's, a, there's actually a few things from that game. Uh, the adventurer who you save your your game with and also sells you stuff is from. Uh, four heroes of light and you get to fight the bosses from the older game as bonus bosses oh there you go that's cool to know so yeah this game is is essentially a as you said a spiritual successful to the four warriors of light it also feels like a super awesome spiritual successor to final fantasy 5 in terms of you know gameplay and the such which again we'll, we'll talk about you know that in a bit and so yeah when that came out on 3ds it's just for people like me it was like oh it was like a, a birthday present really it was just super super awesome to see square enix go back to some of its roots even 
you know, if it was on, you know, the handheld format or whatever, not a full-blown console release. I was totally happy with that. Phil, so, Phil we know that if it was a full-blown console release, it would take a decade to put out at this point. Well, this is true. This is true. So let's, uh, so let's dive in headfirst into the story. Who would like to talk about the plot first of, of uh, Bravely Default? I could start. Go right ahead. Go for it, Cassandra. Oh. I think your memories are fresher than mine. Yes, and uh, let's see here. Okay, I have to kind of get a little bit meta here. At the beginning of the game, uh, you see a fairy fly in front of the screen, and she seems to be talking to the player. You might see her in the promotional material and on the cover. Uh, She says that she sees fire in your eyes, and she wants to show you something, and she also wants you to stay until the very end. Right after that, you're prompted to use an AR marker. Like, you you know, you use the 3DS to, like, read the AR cards. Uh, I I think one was packaged with it, although if you got the collector's edition, you got a bunch of other fancy ones. Uh, If you pull this up, uh, this starts a scene in which you see a girl. uh, Later, you'll identify her as Agnes. And she looks like she's in your home or wherever it is that you haven't been playing the game at the time. Agnes Oblige, right? Agnes Oblige, yes. Oblige. Yes, and she is she's begging someone to help her, saying that they didn't foresee what's going to happen and that it's all collapsing around them. She seems to fall through a crater in the floor, and then right after that, you see an like a an FMV sequence showing the four other the four party members doing their own thing. You see Agnes again. Uh, she is about going to pray to the wind crystal because it, there's it's doing strange things. And as she tries to, it gets consumed by darkness, and she's forced to flee and leave behind her retainers. Uh, you meet Ring-A-Bell. I, we'll explain the characters a little later, I guess. Uh, he is just kind of talking about how he has no memories, but he has some vague memories of some girl and wants to see her again. And he's all, but generally kind of hitting on these other girls that happen to be there in the cafe. Right after that... Uh, ring about the ladies' man. Yes. After, right after that, you meet Edia. Uh, it's it, I'm kind of used to by now because they pronounce her name Edia in the sequel, but the first game they pronounced it Edia, and because it, it's more recent, I'm going to pronounce it Edia. I'm sorry. It kind of. Are you, Cassandra? The... You you've just ruined the second game for me. I didn't know that they were going to change the pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but it, it makes more sense with the pun. Spoilers. It makes more sense with the pun in her name, and we'll get to that a little later, too. But anyway, you see her sparring with her master, the, uh, Kamizumi, who holds the Swordmaster Asterisk, and she's preparing to leave uh, because she's just become a Sky Knight. And the last scene you see is Tiz and his brother Till. They're tending to sheep until their whole village gets swallowed up into the ground. So finally, you start the game with Tiz waking up in an inn in a city called Caldisla. By the way, you're going to get sick of this scene later on. Uh <laughs> He learns that he's the only survivor of the village of Norende, which got swallowed up. Uh, he's considered a miracle because he's the only one that survived. He goes to the chasm to see what is left of his village and just sees this empty crater. It's there that he meets Agnes, the Vestal of Wind, for the first time. Uh, as a Vestal, she's basically a priestess and she tends to the crystals. She's also there with her fairy companion, Ari, which you kind Agnes of sort of saw. not very worldwide. No. <laughs> Uh, she, I think this is her first time getting much farther than beyond her home or the temple. Uh, Tiz sees her as a symbol of hope because as he saw his, you know, his whole life, his whole life that he knew in completely shattered, he saw her there and he wants to accompany her on her journey to purify the crystals since it's the crystals, the crystals have fallen to darkness for some reason. It caused all sorts of natural disasters and including what happened to Norende. Sound familiar? 
she tells Tiz no at first, but uh, they are attacked by soldiers, so she agrees to have him join her. Uh, those soldiers are from the Duchy of Eternia, and they're after Agnes. They fight the first two asterisk bearers. Uh, the asterisks are basically the, the items that allow characters to change job classes. They're called asterisks. They fight Holly White, the white mage, and Barris Lair, the monk. And they take their asterisks after they kill them. And by the way, everybody in this game has a name that is either a pun, an obvious reference, or an anagram. Get used to it. <laughs> Uh, see here. This is and much later on. They meet Ringabel and Edia. Ringabel carries a strange book with him called the D's Journal that seems to tell the future. Uh, he doesn't know where he got it. You know, he doesn't know where he got it from. He just follows it because he, he believes it'll bring him to the girl that he wants to look for. He doesn't quite remember her, but he does feel like you know he's very she's very important to her. This doesn't stop him from every, every girl out there, but he wants to meet this girl. That girl is, of course, Eddie Lee of the Sky Knights. Uh, she, well, she's on the duchy side at first. She does see the atrocities committed by the Sky Knights, and she defects them and decides to join the party. From there, Which the will part- eventually cause great dismay with her family. <laughs> yes, yes. From there, the party travels across Lux and Dark, fighting the Duchy of Eternia, taking their asterisks, and defeating the bosses to awaken the crystals. Uh, it is eventually. I'm, going to have to weave some stuff in and out because I'm not sure what sequence of events take place here. Uh, it's eventually discovered that the reason the Eternian soldiers are after Agnes is because they want to stop her from awakening the crystals. The leaders of Eternia are staunch anti-crystalists who are against the, uh, the religion that focuses around the worship of the crystals. They want to stamp out crystallism and have several plots throughout the world to take control of the crystal. It is later discovered that the reason for this is that the crystal orthodoxy church used to be hugely corrupt and more or less ruled the world. The church was going to start a ritual that would have overloaded the crystals. So the Templar bravely, Eddie Lee's father, and again, bravely, Eddie Lee, get used to it. He gathered an army and fought against the church, leaving it a former shell of itself. The Eternians had learned from the sage Juliana, who bears the conjurer asterisk and actually created the the asterisks, that the crystals were going to fall to darkness and what might happen if someone were to awaken them. I actually rather like this because it's a very different take on the whole corrupt church trope in JRPGs. Um, The church is, you know, the church used to be evil, but all that evil happened in the past. And much of the conflict is because another side wants to completely stamp it out and stop him from possibly causing more trouble, and they're all, become almost as bad as the corruption the corrupt church used to be. And but yeah, it's pretty interesting. So let's see what else happened. Okay, so I guess I'll just jump to this part. They awaken the last crystal and they head to the Pillar of Light, which appears in the middle of the ocean. Aerie tells them that this is how they're going to save the world. Uh, th- before they get there, they fight Alternus Dim, who bears the Dark Knight asterisk. And he's also Eddie's childhood friend, and he really, really likes her. He wants to stop him from eldering the Pillar. He doesn't really say why. They defeat him, and he's unmasked, and he looks just like Ringabel. Why? We don't know, because he falls out of the airship they're flying in, and everybody's confused. Obviously, ring a bell, especially. After they enter the pillar, Tiz wakes up in the same inn he began with the game, and thus starts everybody's favorite part of the game. <laughs> yes, now you get to explore the place again. You do have the airship now, so it's much faster, but you get to go and recharge the crystals, all four of them, and fight the same bosses that were guarding them. Yep, and also, if you want to, this is optional, you can refight the same bosses that held the asterisks. Uh, it's... They won't give you new asterisks now, but 
they will say some interesting things and they'll definitely be they'll be in different combinations they'll yeah they'll ex- yeah they'll explain little bits about the lore little bits about themselves but yeah uh let's see here uh they do learn more about like what the duchy is up to about all the asterisk holders and other characters uh, let's see. They, they're obviously also trying to figure out why is it that they keep seeing to going back in the past. They're not sure what the heck's going on. And they do some interesting things with this repetition. Uh, an example I like is this, this summit, the holder of the summoner asterisk is named Nathalia Venus. When you first meet her, she's a crazy sadist. Uh, she talks, she's like trying to pluck the wings off of fairies because these fairies, if you put the uh, wings on people, it'll drive, make them very crazy. And she kind of, and uh, she thinks that eh, people are cor- are wicked and corrupt anyway, so I don't care. After she's killed, she cackles that Edia has her hand stained with her blood. But it- in each subsequent repetition, she becomes a little saner. Until finally she has managed to uh, find a summoning that her lover that had died was trying to find for her the uh, strongest summon in the game, Suzano. And she's not crazy at all. A uh, very interesting way to do it, but you know, it's one of those things that's just, it's a nice idea in theory, a dumb idea in practice. You really want to have to do that all over just to learn about that from her, you know? Yeah, the game is structured with eight chapters total. The first four are dedicated to each of the crystals on the planet, and then the second four are doing it all over again four more times. (laughs) Yeah, and each of those, you'll learn a little bit more about everything, but they really could have chopped up, chopped out like two or three chapters. And I'll just say this for now, they learned their lesson in the sequel. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I guess I could get, I guess I can mention that if you do, uh, instead of uh, awakening all the crystals, if you do break one of the crystals by having Agnes go way beyond what she's supposed to, Aerie will become furious and turn into a monster and wipes out the party. Anya says pendant saves them. Uh, much in the earlier game, she got a magic pendant that allows them to do the uh, the friend summon. And as Anya has guessed, Ari has been manipulating them the whole time. Every time Anya prays to the crystal to the level Ari tells her to, she's actually over energizing it. And when all four crystals are over energized, it breaks the barrier between one Lux and Dark and another Lux and Dark in a parallel universe. So they're not going back in time; they're traveling through the multiverse. Uh, they kill Aerie, and she says the name Araboros in her dying words, though who or what that is, they don't explain in this ending. And although it, and basically it, it, there's a weird sort of note of incompleteness to this ending. It's called the false ending because it's not completely finished. Although you would think the smart thing would be to do is realize Aerie is, you know, putting you on and to stop her. But that's, I guess that's supposed to be part of the title. Every time you repeat it, you're defaulting. You're biding your time. You're waiting. And then you'll brave and spring it on them in the final chapter. Again, nice idea in theory, dumb idea in practice. Okay. So... Oh, yes. And every time you have to charge the crystals, you have to pound on your buttons. <laughs> yes. And it's pounding on that button that you can over-energize it and see that false ending. But not without enduring a few tirades from Aerie... You really shouldn't do that. No, stop. Are you sure you want to do that? No, stop it. Yeah. Thanks, Ari. All right. And oh, yeah. Also, at this point, some point you find out that Ring-A-Bell is Alternus Dim, but he's actually from the world before the main game. Uh, he was he was trying to catch up with Edia because in that world, it was just, I guess, three people. Uh, Tiz, Edia, and Agnes. And he sees Edia get killed by Ari. And this horror has caused him to lose his memories, and somehow he wound up 
I guess he was, he was because he was near the pillar of light, so he ended up in the world that he is now. And after this revelation, he does become a little more serious and a more and less flirtatious. So it's an interesting thing to see. Um, <laughs> if you so if you keep summoning the pillars, you do get the true ending. The party is excited, thinking they have saved the world, which is a weird thing to see because in one of the scenes you do see them. They almost look like they're suspicious of Ari. But here they're like, they're shocked seeing that the world is not saved yet. It's like, did you catch what was going on? And we're just trying to go along with it to spring the trap on the real boss? Or were you not? I don't get it. But anyway, Ari reveals her true plans. She's breaking the barrier between parallel universes so that her master, the god of destruction, Ouroboros, would be able to free himself from the infernal realm. Uh, They defeat Ari as she travels to the Dark Aurora, which is the game's final dungeon. There, they meet a more powerful Aerie and defeat her again. Uh, they also find Ouroboros, the game's true antagonist and final boss. He explains to them that he wants to destroy the boundaries between the worlds of the multiverse, that he could travel all the way to the celestial realm, the land of the gods, and bring ruin there. He then shows party, the party what the celestial realm looks like. And this is when the 3DS's internal camera turns on. And what you most likely you'll see your face, unless you have the camera blocked or it's looking at something else for some reason. <laughs> That's right. Although the game the game doesn't doesn't spell this out for you completely, but it strongly implies that the celestial realm is the real world, and that the people that live there are gods and celestial beings. Although bravely second throws some interesting loops in there, I, I'm not going to get into that. Obviously. I'm getting a flashback from Earthbound for some reason. It's far more elaborate than that, though. Much more elaborate. I I find this absolutely mind-blowing and crazy what they do here. And you think at first you think to yourself, okay, that came out of nowhere. But then you think, then you keep thinking, no, wait, there were some hints earlier on in the game. Uh, Probably one of the first ones you'll find out are the summons. The summons are, they're not Final Fantasy typical. You, there's a, a wind, su- the, the uh, fire summon is Promethean fi- Fire, which is a weird train dragon. And uh, there's the wind summon, it's called Trelschvelger, which is like a cross between a jet and a bird. And uh, one, Susanna O is like a giant, a giant carrying a, uh, I guess a radio tower as a sword. Basically, they're weird fusions of real world things and fantasy things. Uh when Mithelia, the summoner, she also mentions that she sees that Tiz has two souls. And um, also, and uh, and again, when you're traveling through the final dungeon, you'll see things like traffic lights and stop signs and railroads and other weirdly modern things embedded into the ground. So it's like all this time they were hinting at like what was beyond this world. It was the real world, or at least a world like the real world. Uh, heck, that beginning at the very beginning of the game with on yes. Uh, that at least that that girl that looked like Anyas, when it looks like she was in the world, in the real world, she kind of sort of was. That wasn't just a gimmick. I, I can't believe they did that. That wasn't just a gimmick to make her. Oh, look, it looks like she's in the real world. No, she kind of is in the real world, sort of, kind of, according to the game story, because that's her appearing in the celestial realm to appeal to the beings there, to us, the players, begging her for help, begging for help, and they send that help. By allowing her to show in multiple worlds to warn uh, that to warn some people there, uh, two important NPCs. The uh, there's Lester DeRoso, who holds a vampire asterisk, and Sage Juliana. Again, he's the conjurer. By telling them about what to look out for to stop 
uh, the coming of Ouroboros, they are able to set into motion various plans to try to put a stop to this. So if that's written into the story. Come on, I mean, th- this is like breaking the fourth wall on a whole different level. It's just, it's, and also, it, they never once realize this is a fictional world or that you're just a, someone playing the game. They interpret it at, differently. The real world is a realm beyond their own. You are a god or a godlike being, and you're helping them. Uh, let's see. Uh, and no, I and no, I don't know how the heck the Robros is supposed to break out of his game. But I think it's just supposed to be kind of meta because he says something like he wants to ease the boredom of the celestial being. Why do you play a video game? Part of the reason is because you're bored. Uh, let's see here. True. Yeah. Uh, the real realm is a beyond. See, and also another thing they hinted is that every single copy of Bravely Default, physical or digital, is a parallel universe onto itself. That's also pretty neat. And thus, when you're street passing or spot passing, you're interacting, communicating with another universe according to this game story. Just, just absolutely brilliant. Just absolutely mind blowing. Uh, let's see here. So the party fights Aroboros. Uh, they do need the help of the friends you make with street and spot pass, and they appear during the sequence to help you out. Also, you'll see Aroboros destroy one of your friends' worlds. This was actually Adrian's world for me. <laughs> Poor guy. But, he seems to have yeah. survived. But yeah, the, the, who knows? Maybe that was a parallel world to his world. When you get to the multiverse, things get crazy. But anyway. Uh, so you see them stopping Aroboros from destroying any more worlds so he doesn't become more powerful. And you actually see their characters dressed up in the asterisks they had at the time that they were playing the game or whenever they street or spot past you. And at some point during the battle, the vampire DeRoso, I don't know what he does, but he somehow absorbs Ouroboros' immortality so that he can stop regenerating himself. And that's why he's immortal earlier on. Uh, the game never does explain it. I don't get it. Whatever. But either way, he stops Ouroboros from regenerating so you can defeat him for good. And after he is beaten... Everybody returns to their original world, including maybe Ring a Bell, uh, that he goes to the world before the one of the main game. Uh, It's actually very vague, and I'm not entirely sure where he went. Much later on, uh, Tiz goes to the graveyard where his brother is buried, and he says he needs to return what he has borrowed. He releases a ball of light and collapses. This is implied to be the player, because the reason he survives because the player was animating him or providing him some power. And it stopped... And since you stop playing the game or near the end, he can't go anymore. There's nothing powering him, and he collapses and is on the verge of death. At least until Bravely Second, but again. And that's a weird way to guilt trip you. It's like, oh yeah, this guy, is, he might die, and it's kind of your fault. But what can you do? You can't keep playing the game. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Also, at, finally, at the very, very end, the fairy that you think is Aerie speaks to you again. She thanks you for stopping her sister. That wasn't Aerie. That was a different fairy that looks a lot like her. And she basically asked you to help this save this world. And who she is, what and what's her connection to Aerie, you won't find out until the sequel. Dang it. <laughs> and there you go. Bravely default. I mean, yes, the repetition is annoying, but dang, this story just floored me. This story floored me. So floored you in a good way? Or... Yes, in a good way. Okay, yes, just, in a just good clarifying. Way. Not in an oh god, this is annoying, but in wow, I can't believe they did cr- that. That's amazing. Cross edge floored me. And <laughs> and you know, just 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 wasn't so enthusiastic about it. Um, Agorist floored me. Yeah, right? It's it just like, 
this is a good floor. This is a wow. That is amazing. My jaw dropped. I was just you know, just like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe that's just so clever. That is amazing. That is ingenious. And I've never seen the fourth wall broken in that way before. It's like, yeah, it's like Earthbound, but on a totally different level. So, so we got a really awesome story, but do we have a really awesome cast? I think so. I mean, they're. I mean, I. I mean, they're. I've seen better characters for sure, but uh, both the main characters and the uh, like and like the major asterisk bearers are all pretty neat in their own way. But yeah, go on. I'm trying to remember. Tiz is not particularly remarkable. He's just an everyday sheep herder who's just been forced into this, and he's still kind of confused and not particularly competent in himself. Yeah, he's a general, he's yet, a nice guy, but yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. He's just. Typical Agnes, doll Agnes has been sheltered to the point that a lot of her speech comes across as deliberately... Uh, I'm trying to find the right word for exactly how she speaks, but was it's florid and overdone in some ways. I thought that was just the, the voice direction, cause, but I guess we'll get that a little later. The voice acting in this game is a weird mixed bag. <laughs> Unacceptable! Uh, Ring a bell is kind of interesting, when he's not hitting on everything with ovaries that comes into his line of sight, then he's, uh, I think he's the oldest of the cast, although not by much. That, In uh, one way, that is, this is a semi-typical JRPG in that everybody is pretty young. Somewhat. They, they age them up by a few years in the English version. So I think, if I remember correctly, Edia was 16, Tiz was 17, Anyas was 18, and Ringabelle was 21. So in the English version, they are instead 18, 19, 20, and 23. Yeah, no, big deal. Everybody's old enough to vote in the United States. Woohoo. And to serve in the army. Woohoo. <laughs> yes. And then there's Adia, whose catchphrase, murderer, has uh, taken on a new a life of its, its own. own. It's hilarious. Like, you'd think when you see that for the first time, they she just like make a closed mouth growl of some sort but no they enunciate it and it's hilariously awesome and i still expect her she's voiced by uh cassandra lee morris who's done various other anime and video game characters and every time i hear her i half expect her to say murderer just just throw it in there just for the heck of it because why not i can't think of any other characters who say that so it has a lock on unique on something unique uh but yeah she's uh i actually i rather like Eddie and ring a bell both like their scenes together are really fun and neat to see uh they bounce off each other very well tiz is usually hitting on her she's kind of uh you know biting back at him but they do have a weird sort of friendship later on um Eddie is very strong-willed kind of aggressive a big glut kind of very much a glutton uh, much of the like many jokes focus around how much she eats, especially sweet things. But she undergoes her own interesting arc throughout the game. Uh, she's very idealistic, and uh, she thinks that you know things are black and white, things are right and wrong, and that's it. There are no shades of gray. And she has heard people telling her, you know, like, you know, oh, you're so naive for thinking that. And she's like, no, I'm going to prove it to you. Of course, later on, she realizes, oh, wait, uh, things are shades of gray. Okay. Yeah, and once they get back to her homeland of Eternia. There are some interesting scenes with her that I remember. Right, as especially they, when she as she has to confront her father, uh, who's the leader of the Duchy of Eternia, who is the main antagonist, who's the major antagonist throughout most of the story, anyway. At least until it takes on multiverse. Yeah, realms. at least until we find out, oh, hey, there's a multiverse here, and things start getting crazy, and God of Destruction and all that. But I remember her 
we don't see much of her mother, but her mother is also kind of interesting. She runs a hospital, as I recall. No, she was in the hospital because she has some kind of illness, and she has okay. to stay there because she gets treatment from the crystal. Because uh, they they've managed to develop a, like a technology where they can draw power from the earth crystal to heal people. That's why it's called the land of uh, the land of immortality because people live very long lives because their illnesses are easily taken care of. And uh, the church didn't want that at first, and that was another reason for rebelling, because they could use the power of the crystals for something useful, not just worshipping them. Uh, let me yeah. look here. But yeah, so that's the main cast. Uh, they are, I mean, they're not... The, it's def- Ring a Bell and Eddie are definitely carry this whole party. The other two... It, it, um, Agnes is kind of interesting in some spots. Uh, aside from her naivete, uh, later on, she, when she finds out that Eddie was the is the daughter of the leader of the duchy uh she gets very cold to her and curt with her but uh as, after a crisis occurs in the temple of fire they become friends again it's kind of interesting to see a character like that someone who's usually like sweet and kind just becomes very cold to a person because uh the duchy someone in the duchy one of the asterisk bearers killed her best friend olivia and she's still angry at them even though Eddie had nothing to do with the death of her friend directly she just she's angered her for hiding it for hiding the fact that she is sort of a defected princess. Country. Yeah, and I remember Agnes during the final battle when Ouroboros first eats a world to regenerate. She's the one who screams out, "Oh, we can't do this anymore! Think of all the innocent worlds that will be dead if we keep at this." Yeah, I guess she kind of gives up easily there. But then that's when your friends from other from other games step in and stop them from absorbing any more worlds. Hooray! <laughs> and I guess we could get some to the asterisk. Did any asterisk? Any of the asterisk holders, the job holders, you found you liked in particular or found interesting? Um, let me think here. I'm trying to remember the name. Some of the ones in Eternia, the oh, they're technically all Eternian, right? But the ones you actually fight in Eternia. Okay, so the Council of Six, I guess. Uh, you had yes. Vic- Victoria. The um, what was she again? Uh, why can't I not remember that job? Uh, Victoria, the the uh, arcanist, the, the, thinking her, the little girl who floats around and is very, very vicious. Yes, and irritated me quite a bit, as I recall. Yeah, not a very pleasant character. Weirdly becomes a girly girl in one of the final worlds. Uh, I don't get it. I guess parallel universes. I don't quite get that. There's Vi- there's Victor. He's the um, the spirit master, one of the most useful jobs in this game. I, 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 a lot of my strategies revolved around using that spirit master abilities to prevent damage and to to um, reduce damage from uh, what's it called from from uh, elemental damage. Very useful. Let's see here. You know what? I shouldn't have to do this, but I'm going to go onto Game Facts and check it out <laughs> just because. Okay, <laughs> well, they're not working. So give me a uh, sec here while I sure. refresh my memory on everybody's name. Uh, let's see. What what the hell was Adia's master's name? Kami Izumi. Kami Izumi. Yes. I, he didn't get a whole lot of time, but I remember him being rather interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me... Yeah, that's a, he's, a, again, fairly interesting. He's the usual sword master. He's uh, serious, but calm. Uh, he He's kind of disappointed in Adia, but uh, but uh, trying, but at the same time, is like, like he he does admire the strength that she's gotten and the fact that she is kind of thinking more for herself instead of just following, being another follower. And let's oh. see, at the very beginning, Holly and the Holly mom, and Barris, yeah. I remember them being horribly exaggerated, but they were at least 
memorable enough in their horrible exaggeration. Ferris was uh, about the stereotypical muscle man. And Holly was a weirdly sadistic white mage who would talked about wanting to first beat somebody, then heal him up, then beat them again. And actually, they, they kind of mellow out in later worlds, too. Uh, you see them, you, you see that they kind of have a relationship because Holly kind of gloms Barris after being defeated and they cuddle somewhere in the, well, you don't see that, but you hear them cuddle off screen anyway. So that's a weird, and it's an interesting thing to see, uh, asterisk there. Uh, there's Sigma Kent, the, um, the, uh, blast, the spell fencer. He's, uh, he seems money hungry at first because uh, he's working for various people in the desert city of Anchime. And he keeps asking for more, more money the more dangerous things get. And then for, yet later you find out, at least it's hinted, that this is because he has a sick daughter in Eternia that he's paying the bills for and he needs all that money. And for, Let's see, what about our black mage, Ominous? Ominous Crow. Yeah, Ominous Crow. Uh, has a weird stutter. He has a very cute pet dragon named Bahamut. And no, it's not that Bahamut. It's a dragon. It's a it's a pet dragon named Bahamut. <laughs> uh, he's and he likes to burn things because he's a mage. Not too much to him, I guess. Pyromaniac. Mm-hmm. How about Heinkel? Heinkel, the uh, he's the knight. Yeah, I don't remember much about him except yeah, I don't very know. I don't know very much about him. I memorize. Yeah, okay, Heinkel. Uh, I already went over. We mentioned already for the story the sage Juliana, the conjurer. He's a dirty old man, but also very wise. Lesser DeRoso, the vampire. Uh, Victor, Victor. Who else am I missing here? Alternus Dim. Well, I guess we mentioned him during the main story. Alternus Dim. The original Ringabell. DeRosa? DeRosa is a very skeezy, perverted man. Guy who keeps uh, he, he uses women basically, and he's there in the city of Florum trying to undermine them. And he, uh, he's just very sleazy, and it's very satisfying to beat him. <laughs> oh, there's the Venus sisters, I guess. I mentioned Nephilia, the summoner. There's also the Valkyrie, Einheria, and the uh, ranger, uh, Artemia. Uh, sh- Artemia is like a, is a wild child. Uh, I don't know how this happened, but she apparently spent two years in the wilderness being raised by squirrel-like creatures called, uh, by squirrel-like creatures, and so she became, like, she, she, and then she became, like, a, like, sort of, like, she was, it's like she was raised there her whole life and not just for two years. I don't understand how that works. Why is she suddenly speaking like a primitive? I don't get it. Because Uh, the writers thought it would be cute. I guess. And Einheria is serious. Uh, she's good friends with Adia, practically an older sister, and it is kind of sad when you see her kill her in Florum. Uh, and, okay, I mean, uh, that's not all of them, but the rest of them are kind of obviously got Kada, the uh, salve maker. He's a, he's a nasty piece of work. Uh, there's Profiteer, the merchant, also pretty nasty. Profiteer, the merchant. Yeah, yeah he speaks with a phony French accent, and he, he's basically, he's like, he's like doing some corrupt stuff over in Anchheim. Uh, the thief Jackal, which I don't think is his real name. Uh, he's, he's thirsty all the time, I don't know why. I guess because he's in the desert, but still. Oh, and you have, uh, Praline a la mode, the, uh, idol, I mean, the, the, uh, she, I mean, the, uh, <laughs> not the idol. Although that's what she obviously is. She's the, the performer. Dancer? Oh, the performer. 
yeah, they perform a very useful job. No, you don't actually kill her, which is kind of weird. The first time through, which is kind of weird for most of these characters. Almost all of them you kill the first time through, and then in later worlds you see them still alive. Her, no, she escapes, and because she's just kind of there helping them out, but she, she doesn't really seem to care about the cause. She just wants to sing. Uh, you have the ninja whose name escapes me. What's her name again, the ninja? She escapes me. Right. Ko- Konoe Kikyo, that's her name. She's silent because she's embarrassed of her voice, so she transforms into uh She looks like she transforms to a different person and then speaks a mile a minute. That's kind of funny to see. And uh oh the uh the the um the time mage his name is El- eloquent eloquent kamer i think is his name eloquent kamer king of anchime uh and staunch believer of anti-crystallism but he doesn't mind working with the likes of profiteer and jackal to get those goals so he's not exactly the nicest guy around and uh is that everybody yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We, we mentioned Brave. You know, Brave Lee, yeah. Eddie's father, but not much to him. He's noble. Uh, he's serious. He's severe. I guess not too much to him. But yeah, I mean, they these characters. I guess they're not terribly deep, although you do find out interesting things in each repetition. But they're mem- you know they're memorable in their own, and they're at least mildly memorable in their own way. The way they talk, what the things they do, things that happen to them, or what they cause to happen. Yeah, I'm probably not remembering them as well as I should because I generally forewent the option to fight them all over again in the latter yeah. world. I was oh, by that point a... I was hmm. I know I I, I mean yeah, that's, it's the game's own fault for doing it that way. It's just like you have to do this all that just to learn more about these characters. I like that I learned more about these characters, but I, you know the sequel managed to do that without making you tack on an extra three chapters unnecessarily. But okay. Uh, shall we move on then? Yeah, okay. I, th- I think Phil has some definite comments on the con- on the battle aspects of this one. Need I'm all about my battles. Actually, uh, I do too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love myself some battles, some fights. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we got um, well, well, we got what well, we got. Boy, do we want to go into combat first or the class system first? Uh, let's. Let's touch on combat itself first, and then I guess we can touch on all the the ways you can go about it. Mm, so you, it's your turn based it's your turn based combat, but with a nice little twist. Because as you're doing each you know character and what they they can do, you have a couple of other options. Normally, of course, in most of these games, you have you know attack, heal, cast magic spell, use special defend. ability, defend. But here you got a couple. Yeah, run away, <laughs> run away. But here you got a couple of other options, namely brave and default, or is it bravely? No, it's, it's brave. brave and, it's brave and default. Brave and default, right? Um, I cr- now I might get these two confused because it's been a couple of years. Default is where you hold your turn, right? Yes, it's it's basically an elaborate defend, but it also saves up a turn or yeah. a brave point. Right. Whereas brave lets you use extra turns or my favorite part going to turn debt <laughs> which is super a fun idea because i mean it teaches kids economics right off the bat see when a battle starts uh, and uh, you try to go all off all, 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 all the time then you're gonna have to pay the price eventually you're gonna have to sit there and let the enemies attack you for a few turns to catch up Unless right. you're strong enough and then you defeat them in that turn then it's kind of a little risk and reward system 
You know, you might have the fastest random encounter. You probably get in just about in the you know JRPG, or you're in for cannibal bass. You know, it's just uh, yeah, know your party. Yeah, but yeah, um, much of the much of the strategy revolves around knowing when to brave and when to default, and mm-hmm. how often to do either. Yep. Oh exactly. yes, and there's that fast forward option to make regular actions just zip right by. Yeah, yep. when you're. When you're doing those those regular fights and and you don't want to go just all all out because you know it's going to take a few more turns than that, uh, you can put in your commands or I believe you can also repeat like your last round of commands real yeah. easily enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then yeah, you get the fast forward button and everything unleashes really quickly, which is if you guys have heard enough RPG backtracks, you know that's generally one of my pet peeves of of, of JRPG combats is they can be especially in like Dragon Quest games. I love them, but the combats can unfold way too slowly. Uh, Arc Race Fantasia, love it because everything goes so fast there. Um, so that's really cool here too. Oh my gosh! A- and yeah. what else? But wait, wait, isn't there more, Mike? Why? I do believe that there is. I don't, I don't know if this is specifically directly battle related, but you can choose your encounter rate. <laughs> Get out! A JRPG where you can choose your encounter rate, Mike? It's there. Maybe you're just sick and tired of fighting all the time. You can crank it down to zero, and you won't have any. Or very you, useful you know if you're going beyond. Like very useful if you're going beyond the chapter five and aiming for the true ending. Because yeah, yes, because you have seen these regular enemies before. You don't need to see them anymore. <laughs> so yeah, right. Or you're, it, or you're just ready. All right, I'm gonna grind a lot. Yeah. No more do you need to just run around in circles, around circles. waiting for that encounter. Yeah. Set it to the max, you'll get lots of encounters. Bam! Yep. It's it's really great because it's it, it, I mean I I run uh, you know pen and paper RPGs and after you've run you know a few rounds of whatever version of D and D you know you, you realize that there are just certain things in the game like one of my little pet peeves is healing in the first few levels. You know, everyone's low level, minimal resources, so watching everybody count how many heal spells they have left adds tension to the game. Once you're at 5th, 6th, 7th level, or whatever have you, where, where healing's much more plentiful, having them tick things off is just unnecessarily time-consuming. So I just hand-wave it. You're out of battle, you're healed. Moving on. You know, it, that, that's that's what they've done here. They've realized, you know what, players could always just keep running away, or even some games would have some consumables you might be able to use to reduce those random encounter rates. If you Repel. wanted more, you could, yeah, repels and stuff. Or if you wanted more, you'd run around circles if you were just trying to grind up. But that was unnecessarily time-consuming just to keep running in a circle and take 25 steps to get a fight when you want one. Just cut to the chase. Just either keep them away or let me get at them. But wait, Mike, isn't there more? Does you get to pick your difficulty too or something? You do. Yeah. And How you cool. can choose it between battles. Right. I'm, I'm sick of everything whooping me into the ground. I'm going to change the difficulty to easy. Or... I'm sick of beating everything up in the in the first round. I want a challenge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you get and correct me if I'm wrong uh, again because I'm pulling out my memory here. But uh, I believe the experience rewards go up and down based on that. I'm pretty sure. I'm like ninety percent sure. I not Maybe. sure. No, that's fine. I know you don't get different items for beating them on different difficulties, but I can't remember about the experience. I usually just kept it on normal because I thought normal was, except for the bonus bosses. A bunch of those I had to get down the easy because uh, they never part. You're you're right. Uh, some people on the forums are saying no, it's uh, it's not affected. 
Oh, well, eh, that's a shame. But you do get into it. Like, yeah, I think that's a missed opportunity. I like, like, and I do that in my pen and paper games. I'm like, do you guys want harder battles or easier battles? But I scale up the rewards appropriately. So that's a little bit of a shame. But yeah, you can put the tension of the game right where you want it. So if you're one of those people who's like, oh, I don't like this game because it was too easy. Or, hell, I hate grinding up because it's too hard. Well, well you can go in and, and fix that. Mm-hmm. No need to start a new game. <laughs> mm, no need to throw it against the wall. No need to, yeah. So all that's pretty cool. No need to pick out your last save, which is actually good because there aren't many save slots for this game. I always Three, I think, yeah. That's better than the original version. Apparently the original Japanese version had only one save. I I have to say there's there's one um, uh, debatable forum poster we used to have uh, that just about everybody would disagree with just about all the time. But there was something that I actually did relate to, and it was the comment of uh, it had to do with decision paralyzation. I hate games that force me and lock me into decisions. Some people say that makes the game in your decisions. And I'm talking about specifically things like difficulty settings, you know, character skills, and things like that. Some people say, well, that makes your decisions in you know those things meaningful. I'm one of those people that I'm just paralyzed because I don't want to make a decision and then find out towards the end of the game or halfway through the game that that decision was the wrong yourself. one. Yeah, yeah, try the first time you tend to play Shin Megami Tensei game and you're like, oh yeah, we can play this on normal, right? It's just normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I li- I really appreciate the fact that they, that they, they let you um, change that as you go along. So that's super awesome. So yeah, you got a couple different things to play. But it was just, it was just so cool. Like the combat, uh, you know, that had so much depth. But it was as deep or as shallow as you really want it to be. I mean, you really you really decided how you wanted that game to, to play out. And the Bravely in Default really added that extra layer that, that it, it isn't rocket science. It's nothing that none, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, I don't know if original is the right word, but it's not mind-blowing original, but it, it works. It's definitely a fun little twist on, you know, a t- your typical uh, turn-based combat system. And very fun. One of my favorite combat systems in a, in a game. Okay, so now let's let's talk about the uh, class system. Who wants to jump in the on job. that? Since I talked about combat so much, yeah, the job system. Okay, so not the, both uh, at once, said, though. As I said before, <laughs> the uh, the jobs are called ast- are referred to as asterisks in this game. Uh, you can change between you can change between them at any time you want. There's no penalties. Uh, the stats are altered slightly, and they um, I was, you have to learn new abilities by gaining job points in battle. And you get to keep these abilities permanently. Uh, some are because you can when you pick one job, you can also pick a subclass, a which allow a, a, a sub command. So if you want to be a black mage with white mage abilities, you can do that. If you want to be a knight with spell fencer abilities, you can do that. Uh, you can also have these skills picked from all the different classes, and you can mix and match those as you please. Well, yes, this um, does remind me of Final Fantasy V a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's very much like a you know like like a like an altered Final Fantasy V. Whether or not it's enhanced or not depends on your opinion, I guess. Uh, I think it is personally, but and uh, you can get you can make all sorts of combinations, find which ones work together, and for whatever battle, uh, it's just loads of fun for me to like pick out for a fight if something's giving me a little trouble. I could try to puzzle out a good one. Or even play with the equipment to try to get uh, certain specific stats needed. Uh, if you need to like use a certain ability right before an enemy might use a different ability. Or right after an enemy might use a different ability. Uh, loads of strategy into that. Very, very fun. 
Um, what was some of my favorite? Trying to remember some of my favorite. So one of my favorite combinations uh, it was the using a like a ninja's subclass and a vampire as the main class. If you want to learn, because the vampire is vampire uh, job is basically a fancy blue mage. It learns special moves called genomes from monsters, and they're very powerful. If you want, you know, in order to have whoever's the vampire learn an ability, you can have the ninja sub-job use a special ability that allows the enemies to focus on that single character. So they will attack that character and attack it with the ability you're looking for, so you don't have to wait for a ra- it get randomly hit the character you want it to hit to learn it, making learning blue mage abilities a little less annoying. And uh, another combination... I mean, a- anything plus spell fencer, because a spell fencer allows you to change your weapon to have the element of whatever element you imbue it with. You can also imbue it with uh, certain status ailments, like putting enemies to sleep or poisoning them. And if you put that with anything, with a, sword, with a ninja is especially best, or uh, because then you can uh, dual-wield weapons, and you can make them both whatever element the enemy is weak to, and you can deal lots of damage that way. Anybody else have any particular combinations they like? I remember the Valkyrie ability to... Whatever that dragoon thing is, jump. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's jump. It's just jump. Yeah, yeah. Valkyrie is an altered dragoon. Well, it's uh, it's amazingly effective. Very effective. Uh, what's synchronized well with that? I mean, it did pretty well on its own. I think the Valkyrie. Can't think of anything particular that synchronized well with it. Mm, I don't and, remember what I had with it, but. Uh, and uh, Valkyrie was very important to beating one of the uh, the, the bonus bosses. Uh, Actually, let me just make, make a minor note of that. In this game, as I said before, you could fight uh, bosses from the uh, four for the four heroes of light. They're, they were called nemeses. You could also fight bosses that won't that don't appear until like aren't basically are bonuses for the sequel. They appear in the sequel as part of the story, and they're called balls. They're freaky, and they have a very awesome battle theme, and they are super hard. Unless you, yes, you could, they, even on easy, they're pretty dang challenging. And uh, the Valkyrie was very instrumental in beating uh, the what the bird-looking one, Turtle Dove, because it was weak to their abilities. And they were generally in the air when its attacks came. Yes. So many different yeah. possibilities. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. My memory is kind of running dry here, probably because I played Bravely Default. I think Mac gave it to me as a reward for my anguish and pain at a time when I was playing something I mentioned earlier called Agarest. <laughs> and I remember that this was a breath of fresh air and absolutely wonderful, but I eventually went back to that other horrible piece of slop and determined, I guess it removed a lot of my detailed memories here, which unfortunate for posterity, but possibly necessary for my sanity mm. oh well but i guess the idea is that there's lots of combinations find your own uh very fun you know go crazy with it oh, yeah absolutely yeah if you're if you're a person who just likes to experiment you can experiment all day with all the possible combinations uh and just see what works for you if you're the kind of person who likes to uh min max and optimize oh my gosh this is a a playground and if you just want to go online and find the most powerful thing, uh, you, you can absolutely do yeah. that. Be yeah, prepared to work a little bit for it, because the most powerful things take a little work. But uh, yeah, absolutely there. 
yeah, each job maxes out at 14 levels, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of job oh. points. Actually, the sequel reduces this down to 10, because that's a bit crazy, mm. and some of those later abilities can be very, very broken. Yeah, yeah, but put in the work, and you will be one hell of a badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it's just super, super exciting. I mean, it really feels like it took the awesomeness that was there in Five or, or even Final Fantasy Tactics and took it up to a whole new level, at least for me. Love it. Love it. Not to mention, I'm always a huge fan of watching characters dress in different outfits. I don't know why. I'm a sucker for that. And yes, everybody has a different outfit here, and different outfits all actually mean something instead of just being window dressing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So super cool. Uh, combat. Okay, so uh, sub sub little little other funky ass systems like I don't know towns and stuff. Oh, I guess we could talk about the uh, like the Norende Village restoration. Exactly. So there, uh, Tiz is like it's part of like a, a very long mini game. Tiz is, uh, takes over the task of rebuilding his village. Um, where exactly it is, it doesn't explain. I, it can't be the same spot because there's literally a crater there, and that's also where you enter the final dungeon. But He's rebuilding a new town, and um, in order to rebuild it, you have to get additional workers by getting them from street passing or spot passing with people on the internet or whoever happens to have a 3DS. Uh, you can assign these people tasks to help uncover, like rebuild things to uncover places, and as they do this, you get new items appear in shops. Or you can buy special rare items from the uh, traveling adventurers where you save your game. Um, they, uh, let's see. You can also, I, what else can, I know you can unlock some other things. Uh, I'm trying to think here. You also get certain items every time you visit the village. Uh, you, that's, the village of Narendra is where the, the bonus bosses show up and MSCs and the balls. And, um, what else? I, I feel like there's something else I'm missing very crucial. It wasn't just items. Oh, I think you won. What else? What did you unlock? Well, you unlocked all sorts of things. And it's pretty neat to see that slowly uncover over time. You might do it pretty quickly. It's, well, maybe not anymore. Cause I don't know how many people are really playing this game. with street pa- spot passing anymore, but uh, before you could do, you could do it pretty darn quickly. I think I did it within like, uh, t- like maybe two, two to three weeks of starting the game. And, Managed to finish Norende. Oh, and for other small things, uh, the characters have these little scenes with each other. They're, they're similar to tail skits called party chats. And that's just what they sound like. They comment about recent events and have general funny little things going on. And uh, and it's just really, again, they're, it's not the deepest cast of characters, but it, it fleshes them more out and makes them feel more like a group of friends going through and traveling together. Reading these out might be kind of fun if they actually did talk during them, but what can you do? Although, as I said, the voice acting is kind of a mixed bag. (laughs) But looking at a couple of shots here, I'm reminded of how the town maps are kind of interesting. They're not fully 2D and they're not fully 3D. They're almost a little bit like a board game in that you're moving around between lines that wend between different areas. Yeah, I may not almost, be phrasing that right, but yeah, it's almost like a. I guess it's almost like a pop up book, almost pop up bookish, especially if you turn the 3D on. Although, like, you shouldn't have that on. Uh, and they're very, very pretty too. This is a very nice looking 3DS game. It is. Yeah. The characters look well. They have very tiny feet. They don't see. I don't think they're they even chi- have visible feet. <laughs> they're chibified, and weirdly enough, the main characters all look even chibier than the uh, the asterisk holders and other major characters who look slightly more, slightly who look slightly older and slightly less uh, super deformed. 
uh, this is improved a little bit in the second game, but you know, sequel. <laughs> but it's but you know the the backgrounds are very nice. Uh, the effects are very nice. Very pretty game. Yeah, yeah I, I, did. I didn't use the 3D much either, just because you know then you have to hold it at just the mm-hmm. right angle, and every time you close it, you have to reorient yourself when reopen 3D. It's just not worth the time for me. No, and I, yeah, I didn't. I, you know, I haven't. Uh, it was one of those games that I tried um, just put in for a few minutes when I got uh, the new 3DS, and you know, just go, oh, okay, that really does follow my face. Um, but yeah, yeah, but I was playing on the original. I, I was mostly keeping it off. But yeah, normally I'm not a huge fan of of 3DS graphics, but because of the you know the the art style is so well done here. If you're you know, I, I got some friends who absolutely hate chibis. That this is not going to change your mind. If you don't like chibi fight characters, this yeah, this isn't going to do it. But the towns are really pretty, even if you don't like the characters. I like the character design myself. Yeah, uh, the chibi I, doesn't bother me. Um, uh, so uh, I think it's and the, mo- the monsters are not chibi fied. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, they're not. They're pretty mean, evil monsters. Bad monsters. Bad. Oh, I like the Dagons. They're they're weirdly cute. They're there's a there's a they're, it's a, an enemy you'll encounter. They look like a dragon, maybe the size of a bear or something. They're supposed to be domesticated, but the ones you fight are feral, or they work for the, the duchy. And they're they're weirdly cute. They they look chubby. They've got these tiny little arms and these kind of these like you know they they look like they have no necks. Weirdly cute and tiny little wings. Mm, and I guess we can't uh, finish up without talking about the music. Oh, the music! Absolutely right, fantastic. Is it, is it Revo or Reza? I can't. Remember. Revo, it, Revo. Yes. So the music in this game was composed by Revo. Revo, as I mentioned before, uh, like the last episode I was on, actually, uh, Revo is the leader of a band called Sound Horizon. Uh, they are. They normally do like uh, like musical suites. Their music often tell. Their songs are very long and often tell a story over the course of the album. And so he composed for this game, and it is exquisite. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's like the, at least for me, it sounds like the best uh, JRPG can sound. This is like the ultimate example, or one of the ultimate examples of, like, music in an RPG. Just absolutely fantastic, absolutely beautiful. Like, they, I, it's really hard for me to describe because, you know, this is music. Take a listen to it. He does a fantastic job, and I wish he composed for more games. It, wow. I, you're going to hear some of those here. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be putting some of those those tunes on for you. So make sure you listen for the transitions, and I'll also yes, be putting and uh, just, a, just to sweeten the deal. Once you reach the conclusion, you'll hear some truly awesome final boss battle themes. Oh yeah, that those yeah uh, the um the one against Aerie in her final form, Wicked Flight, is quite possibly my most favorite piece of boss battle music in a game ever. Absolutely, and even the final boss's theme is pretty good too. And at the very end, you hear this amazing and like this ending vocal theme that is it, like it starts out slow and peaceful and then it just builds more energy and and when they start singing the game's title bravely default i just i lose it absolutely amazing Ball- it's called ballad to hope very beautiful yeah so make sure you, you hang hard- around after the show yeah. too because we'll put some more after the show too yeah hard to find that on youtube though because it's owned by pony canyon and they keep taking it down yeah darn, darn copyright holders well, <laughs> darn how, how dare they try to uphold their rights i know <laughs> how dare they but yeah this uh, music is exquisite uh i guess maybe a, a touch a little on the uh, just a tiny bit on the voice acting uh 
as I said, it's a mixed bag because while most like the act, most of the actors, these are people who know acting. These are um, veteran actors in anime and video games. All the main characters are people you might know. And yes, is Aaron Fitzgerald. Uh, there, she's been. Uh, there's um. She's been around even in cartoons. Uh, she's been on Ed, Ed and Eddie. She's, uh, I believe, she plays Chie in at least a few versions of uh, Persona Four. Bill, there's, uh, there's a voice I recognize. And then you have Ring a Bell is Spike Spencer. He is uh, Shinji in Neon Genesis and Evangelion, and been various other things. Uh, he does pretty well. Tiz is Bryce Prapenbrook, who is um, probably more recently well-known as Aaron from uh, Attack on Titan. And Edia is, again, Cassandra Lee Morris. Um, Edia, I'm, I, I, I'm not sure what her biggest role is, but she's fairly new, but pretty darn talented. And you've got all sorts of other big names. Kyle Ibert is in this. Um, Liam O'Brien is in this. Uh, no, Wendy Lee's in the sequel. Um, and uh, just loads of other actors but it sounds like whoever they got to direct the voice actors either doesn't know what he's doing or didn't care because they just it's they over they like they over enunciate things or don't put the right emphasis on things or put the or exaggerate or underplay things it's strange to hear they try their best but it's a weird mix it's not a bad voice acting it's just it's straight it sounds strange in spots strange direction and strange scripting in spots yeah yeah it's not a bad script but it's you know, it could be better. And it is better in the sequel, both the voice acting and the script, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's a, it's a pretty... But you want to play this game with headphones either way, because the voice acting is good when it... Usually good when it needs to be. Sometimes weird, but usually good. And the music is just fantastic. Listen to this game with headphones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we don't do enough with portable games. But, yeah, there's a slot there for your earphones for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of those reasons. So, um, it sounds like, Cassandra and Mike, that you think people should go out and get this game if they don't already have it, and they should play it. That has been the implication that we're trying to put forward. Sounds I, like you're giving yeah, it a thumbs up. Mostly, although I, a part of me almost kind of doesn't, because they uh, almost doesn't want, almost doesn't want to, because the sequel, Bravely Second, has not sold all that much. This game actually sold like over a million copies i think maybe even two by now i'm not sure uh, i was a big it's a, a very big surprise even square enix acknowledged you know wow look at this this traditional jrpg sold this much and we acknowledge that people seem to like this sort of thing but a lot of people like found out about the repetition and some of the game's other flaws and i guess or maybe i guess it got turned off from the sequel but the sequel improves on so many things but at the same time you do need to play the se- the first game because there's important story things in there and again you need to be hit with those big revelations at the end because wow it's like if you get that spoiled for you that's just not cool and uh, well i hope you played this game already or don't care about spoilers what can you do (laughs) if you don't care about spoilers you're in the right place and if you do care about spoilers then you're not in the right place (laughs) yeah but either way i have no idea why you've listened this far and didn't quit in rage but I guess ultimately play this game with an open mind. Try to, I mean, I, I apologize if you don't like the repetition, but this really is a good game. Not a great, not a, not a fantastic, excellent game, just short of being like what excellent because of the major flaws, but it is a really good game. Play it and, you know, and play the sequel. Please play the sequel. I'll get yeah. to it. God. 
Mac <laughs> just keeps giving me other things that I'm supposed to be reviewing. Gosh. Well, again, eh, there's some other, there's some major things in that one too, but I really need to keep those to myself. Yeah, because that one has not passed the two year. No, that has not. <laughs> that is definitely not. It's barely past the one year here. It's not even past the one year here. When did that come out? April. Yeah. So, but here's yeah. here's the million dollar question. It's good, and people should go out and get it. But is it worth fifty nine ninety nine for a, a new copy? Or is that for yeah. the yeah. Yeah, that's that's brand new on Amazon. If you want it, I mean, if you don't mind getting it used, I'm finding uh, one for forty. Uh, there's a yeah, forty, forty five, forty, forty five. Yeah. Oh, right. that's right. Didn't, wow, didn't that can really keep get the, the Square Enix tax. Yeah, uh, but still, wow. Maybe it's that uh, yeah, that demand or whatever. People holding on to them. I don't know, but uh, it's up you can, there. You can always download it from the eShop. Wonder if I can pull that price up. Let's see, eShop. Uh, bravely default. Nintendo.com. Thirty nine ninety nine. Yep, there you go. I mean, I would pay that much because I adore this game. Mm-hmm. But anybody else, um, maybe get it on the eShop or get a used version. Definitely play this game, however you can. Yes. Yeah. So just do it. Mm-hmm. Um. Fair enough, and don't click on the the link while you're podcast recording because suddenly a video kicks up. It's like, no, shut down before it starts making background noise. Stop it. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. Anywho, uh, definitely go out check you it out. You clicked on the link. <laughs> well, because I was like, oh, you know, the price link, right? And it takes you to the eShop, and apparently there to make sure you want to buy it, they've got a full blown video that kicks right up uh, on there. So that's pretty. It, it was showing the artwork, you know, from the game. The artwork's very pretty. Just like the music, just just mm-hmm. very very pretty. If you're looking at the you know, any of the uh, artwork or the art books or anything like that, now you know what that's just giving me an idea to look up some wallpapers too. See if I can find some. I I pretty much have all the um, one of the things I do is I have wall, all kinds of fantasy artwork wallpaper, comic books, sci-fi, all into a, a big huge folder. My computer is just set up to rotate them every twenty minutes, so I need to add some. Uh, yep, there's a nice pretty bravely default right there. So I'm gonna. Praying Brad, Bradge? Oh, Praying Brage. That's a, what is it? That was a, a, a browser game. It's a couple of browser games and one mobile game, I think, about to come out that don't, that don't really tie into the story. But, you know, Japanese tie-in things. Silly Japanese. Well, yeah, forget those cell phone doohies. Get the real thing on the 3DS. Those <laughs> other ones are fake. Uh, anywho. fun anyway. Oh, one minor note about the music. Uh, Motoi Sakuraba didn't compose for this, but he did play the piano and the electric organ uh, for the music. So, so if some of that sounds a little familiar, that's because he actually played, performed, like he played those instruments to, for this piece. Interesting, I did Just not. Fun fact. Fun fact. Well, while y'all think about that fun fact, we're going to give you some music to think by. Uh, So listen carefully, and we'll be right back.
Welcome uh, back. This is the final app where we would read your comments if we got the last podcast up on time. But I did that <laughs> like last up, night. Up right after we finished recording this. <laughs> I did it 13 days after we recorded that, so it hasn't had enough time to percolate um, and get out there. So I'm sure we'll be reading Oblivion and Bravely Default comments on the next show, which will be RPG Backtrack number 173, your, You Meddling Kids where we will be talking about Persona 4 and all of my pent-up feelings on Persona 4 as I've been biting my tongue for weeks now. Um, so that's coming. I can do it. Two more weeks. This will even be somewhat timely because Persona 5 is kind of close now. That's why I power through 3 and 4 and why I'm playing through Persona Q now. Because i got to catch up and I'm playing... Persona, Arena, whatever, Doohickey, Ultimatum, whatever, on the PlayStation. Yeah, you talk about a lot of, you know, freaking story. I mean, it's, I mean, of course, if you just say a lot of story for a fighting game, that's that's like, I mean, that could be any story at all, because most of these fighting games barely have, you know, a cutscene at the end after you've gone through ten fights. Uh, No, no, this game has, like really long like we're talking like eight minutes of dialogue half of it's read uh, voiced out and half of it you're just reading i think i remember yeah there's a lot that's voiced out but hey, regardless it's a lot and, and it's really going into their thoughts and stuff and it's all the characters you love know and love from persona 4 uh you know god god bless them and they're in high definition on your beautiful playstation 3 on your big screen tv uh but uh boy oh boy oh boy is there a lot of inner thoughts which normally in the Persona games, you don't see them do too much thinking aside from what they say out loud. But now you're actually in their heads of each character as you're playing through their story, their their perspective. Which is good and bad because since you have to go through each character's perspective on the same story, you get a lot of repeated facts and plot points. Yay. <laughs> so I'm like hitting the button, but I'm afraid if I go too fast, I'll actually miss something new because occasionally they'll they'll that their perspective will bring something new to the table so um so i'm kind of trying to get through the first one now i do that while i'm exercising call it persona sizing <laughs> persona sizing still a thing cassandra that's where i go up and down you see one of those st- step aerobic thingies where you step up and down mm-hmm. on a step you do yeah. that while you play persona persona size oh. yeah so i don't know what i'm gonna do after I finally beat all these darn, well, by that time, Persona 5 will be out. But if I ever finish up all these Persona games, I don't even know what I'm going to do for my exercise regimen anymore. It'll come crashing down all around me because I, I, I won't know. No, nah, I know. I got a ton of turn-based RPGs, which are great for exercising on the PlayStation 2, mostly. So, anywho, yeah. So, that's what's coming up next. So, definitely send us your comments and everything like that uh, on the forums. Let's find out what Cassandra has been doing, which must be a lot since it's been so long since we last spoke with her. Uh, For the site, unfortunately, not much. Things have been rather busy here at home, so uh, I haven't been doing much other than my usual duties as admin. Uh, Well, the, the, uh, like, you know, best of 2016 are coming up pretty soon, so keep an eye out on those. (laughs) Keep not watching that. 
uh, gaming probably one, be a couple titles on there that you contribute a description on. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, other than that, gaming-wise, uh, it's been a, it's just a few. Uh, recently finished up Pokemon Sun and doing it post-game stuff for that. Uh, very much an improvement over X and Y. Uh, so, and I'm very much enjoying that. I've been playing more um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. I continue mooring that, having fun with that game. And uh, also, for some reason, I felt like continuing uh, the, the original Mother, or it, now it's called Earthbound Beginnings, that I started up two years ago for JRPG July, and I didn't finish. I'm almost done with that, and it's weird. It's weirdly fun. I, I still consider that my favorite 8-bit RPG. It's pretty good for an 8-bit RPG. I mean, it's still, you know, stupid. You know, I, I really hate the inventory systems. Stupid encounter rate. You're going to get that with 8-bit uh, RPGs. Yeah. Uh, very, you know, limited MP and kind of annoying in various other ways. Um, very hard to get back to previous places. I mean, side teleport is nice, but you need, like, a very long, a large amount of area in order to charge that up or else you're not going to be able to teleport anywhere. But again, I'm having fun with that game, and I'm, I marvel at how well it's translated for a game that old. Uh, I mean, it's, it's still kind of awkward, because some of the dialogue says things like, enemy takes damage, like, damage of 10 or something like that uh maybe if it ever got a proper release they would have cleaned it up a little but it, it's weirdly it's still pretty good for you know nes era which is notorious for its translations <laughs> yeah let's see and yeah, that's... nintendo of america was lo- was doing the localization right uh probably yeah because that I mean that was a nintendo game they were going to release it until they realized yeah this is too close to the snes nobody's <laughs> gonna buy it let's forget it and I recall Nintendo of America put a fair amount of effort into the original Dragon Warrior slash Dragon Quest localization until it became apparent that it wasn't working. <laughs> but at that point, you just couldn't count on localizations that actually required a little effort for many companies. But yeah, it's uh, again, it's still a pretty good game for an 8-bit RPG and weirdly fun to revisit, although I played the... Um... The uh, the the fan well it's not not a fan translation the uh, the um the you know the ROM of it that was slightly altered by uh, like a hacking group in order to get it to work as I recall correctly uh, very fun too and that's all I've been doing then. How about you, Mister Minky? Well, I kept plugging around in Dragon Ball Fusions. I I really need to watch Dragon Ball Super now because I've apparently missed a whole bunch of new characters that show up in that show. And I have been playing something called Dex, which has been seen released on numerous platforms. I've got the Vita version, and I unfortunately have to report that the Vita version is not very technically strong in that it has some seriously aggravating load times, and it likes to crash every now and again. Oh, that's a shame. It does automatically save every time you transition to a new area, which seems to take a good 30 seconds or so to process, so... I hope you're not in any hurry. And most of the crashes are when it's loading a new area. Most, but not all. So I wish I could say that it had more technical strength than that, but it also has this weird thing. I can't believe it. I think it Badlands games, Dreadlock games, whatever the developer is, actually seemed to want to emulate Die Hard on Nintendo in that you, there will be dark sections where you can't see enemies and you have to get into the right area in order to spot what they're doing, even though they're on the same screen as you. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> Fog of War. That's what it's not, not, not very well done either. 
it, it's an action game though. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the thing it reminded me of. Like I think the early, I think it was one of the earlier um, Fire Emblems in which it was like Fog of War was literally it was just darkness everywhere, not even slightly yep. obscured. Fire Emblem Thracia seven seven six. Yeah, I there you go. That it. one. I also remember that I did not finish that game. <laughs> but in an action game of all things, well, yeah, somebody's shooting me and I can't see who it is because it's in shadow, even though I'm being shot. What the hell is this? <laughs> Having said that, it is kind of interesting. There are some very interesting dialogue options and I have gotten to a rather intriguing section of it. It's structured almost like Planescape Torment in that you can run around a whole lot and do a lot of optional things for most of it, and then it becomes quite linear in the last section. So I'm, I seem to be fairly close to the end. We can look forward to a Vita review of it pretty soon. And I unfortunately cannot give it an, an enthusiastic endorsement, but we'll see. Oh, well. Uh, what else? I can't give an enthusiastic endorsement to some of these Bravely Default wallpapers I pulled up. Yeah, be careful what you click on, boys and girls. It's one of the side games. I can get away with that for the side games. Don't don't click on. Finding not safe for work stuff. Not not safe. Not safe. (laughs) I'm just saying. Something else. Just just. Just, Where are you going? I just went to Google Images. That's all. I was looking for some of that cool artwork. I just I don't understand people. Why would they do that? It's a beautiful game. Why? Oh, the inhumanity. If it's the side games, I guess I can get away with more. Oh, I finally found like a good one with the kind of the character. Yeah, the main characters. Gosh, I had to go through some NSFW crap. Holy cow. Wow. Just be careful, boys and girls, if you're looking for wallpapers for work. Beware of Rule you 34. Find it and you have to share it with us. Thanks, Phil. That's very nice of you. Oh, wait, sorry. You should the actual art. That's, uh, that's actually. Yeah, yeah this, the sec- this one's pretty good. This one's nice. This is, this is going to be a wallpaper that shows up at work. I mean, this is artwork that. See, because people can see my second monitor, the way it's positioned on my desk. So I, I like it when people walk in, they see artwork from a video game or from star trek or something like that because it, it starts some conversations so i think bravely default um artwork not the fan artwork but the original <laughs> artwork is is some of that beautiful artwork that's you know worthy to have up in your office i didn't play it recently but i did review something called dungeon punks last year which we'll probably never get to talk about it in any other way since we already did a beat-em-up rpg show so i'll talk about it now it's a beat-em-up RPG with ridiculous... It, maybe if you play it on PS4 or X-Bone, or maybe if you have a better system, you'll get nicer performance, but the damn thing had horrendous slowdown in spots for me. And it would also freeze sometimes. It would eventually straighten itself out after a minute or two. And this is an action game, mind you, so freezing, not good. Eep. Uh, the rest of it... it the combat was fine. I remember some interesting aspects to it, but the technical performance issues were just so hard to get around. I don't know what I'm doing lately that I'm getting games with ridiculous load times and other technical stuff. Yeah, Mac- I Maybe hate I long off load Mac times. <laughs> I, I tell you, that's that's kind of what killed my latest renaissance of World of Warcraft was their their last patch had introduced these really long load times somehow. 
And anytime you'd warp somewhere or something like that, just huge. It's just when you only have limited free time, that stuff just gets on your nerves. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. So, yeah, my experience with Dungeon Punks was I kind of got into the fighting when I was allowed to fight. Pretty much every time I started the game and went through an area, it would freeze for a good minute, 90 seconds, possibly even longer. I, I didn't have a clock handy, but it was long enough that I could go into the other room, do something for a minute, and come back, and it would still not be done. Bad. Hmm, that's messed up. And it had... I can look at it on Steam right now. What was it? It had a couple of achievements that I just didn't bother to get. There was one for, I don't know, leveling every character up to a certain amount, which just didn't seem worth it. Its inventory was also kind of a pain in that you could get multiple versions of slightly different weapons for each character that just usually you have to pay close attention and go through the stupid freezing in order to make it work also. Good idea. Not well executed. I'm mentioning it now because I'll probably never get to mention it again, and already I just don't have enough memory left to <laughs> give it justice. Uh, oh yes, and this relates to us only insofar as it's a Japanese movie that... I hated this movie as a child. Godzilla's Revenge. The one where it stars a kid who imagines himself on Monster Island. This movie, people would, uh, relatives knew that I loved Godzilla as a kid. And they would always call me to say, there's a Godzilla movie on TV. And it would usually be this one. And I would turn it off because I hated this stupid thing. And I revisited it. And I find that it still stinks. Yeah. It shamelessly reuses footage from earlier Godzilla movies that you've already seen. Its moral is a strange... You should fight bullies, especially if they're much bigger than you and don't necessarily do anything directly antagonistic. You should fight them anyway. Get oh, out dear. there, make make enemies of them. Oh, and, th- and here's another great moral. If you are a child and you are next to a couple of criminals, you should fight them. You should not immediately run to get f- help. You should do your best to stop them by yourself. <laughs> that sounds very logical. This great advice. The kind, the kind of message we want to pass along, right? Children, do not get do not get proper help. Grab a fire extinguisher and try to take on the villains yourself. So no, I don't like that movie. I still don't like it. It's the worst Godzilla movie. Not even close. There, there are other bad Godzilla movies, but this one is freaking horrendous. And yeah, this is just one of those things where you have to revisit it to make sure that your childhood self was wrong or right, and my childhood self was absolutely right. <laughs> Jeez, it's pretty pretty yeah. bad when you mess up a Godzilla movie. It isn't rocket science. Yeah, again, this was the Godzilla movie that I, as a child, hated. It, uh, it's not that hard. All no. I need is Godzilla. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, I'm with you. Like, I'm the guy who pretty much enjoys Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and it's one of the cheapest, lamest written shows ever made because it's just straightforward. How do you mess that formula up? I just noticed. I saw Monster Calls last weekend, and a trailer right before it had Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, they're they're working on the new one. Not Mighty Morphin anymore, just Power Rangers. Yeah, it's just faster that way. Yeah, I mean, even, yeah. But that song, I don't know, because then this, I guess maybe they'll have to come up with a new song, I suppose, because it was New Mighty Morphin Power It would play every time they would fight. It's stuck in my head. So maybe they'll have to make a new song or something. 
It will probably show up during the credits. I'm all for it. Yeah, you're right. It'll probably show up during the credits. I'm 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 all for a fresh maybe take. Maybe new lyrics. Maybe not. I mean, I quit around like I was I was just watching casually. Like you could play a game and watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, right? And um, and I must have gone through three or four seasons of it back in the day. But yeah, it, it, I can't believe like I looked it up a year or two ago, and they're still making them, and it's up to twenty seasons. <laughs> And I was just curious if I, well, you know, I've got a hair up my ass because I've got a lot of my childhood shows or, you know, whatnot on DVD. I was like, how much would that cost? Well, it's only sold by Time Life and it's an arm, leg, and a firstborn. I'm like, you can keep those childhood <laughs> memories. Thank you very much. Uh, I bet it was cool was it was on Netflix. So I watched um, at the time anyways, when it was a year or so ago. I don't know if it's still there, but I went ahead and watched uh, – like a, a season and stuff and again while playing video it's just one of those perfect popcorn you know you're playing a video game on monitor one and you got it playing on monitor two on your ipad or something like that so it's pretty cute and hokey uh cool anything else mr mike i could talk about more movies but i don't think we need Spe- to do that. especially if it ties into mighty power power rangers i'm all about that well all i saw is the trailer the power rangers is coming in march so i can't speak to what isn't out yet it's morphin' time. I don't remember them actually using that word in the trailer. Ah. You see the medallions, you see the kid, the teenagers finding them, and the very last shot of it is them getting the outfits on through the magic of CG. Of course, we're we're not getting any of those cheap chintzy costumes anymore. No, uh, these are super <laughs> high tech, high definition. Uh, I I hope they don't go too high tech because that kind of misses the point. Uh, and they just it's just it's all about the the hokey effects and everything else. It's watching people dressed in rubber suits, you know, taking swings in miniature cardboard towns, and uh, just just so much just so freaking hilarious. Um, but uh, hey, uh, everyone's got their thing. So um, yeah, I'm still working through uh, Persona Q. I'm up to the second dungeon now, where they warn you, this will get harder, and sure enough, you know, now the enemies take off over half of my health in a single swipe, which always makes Let's me nervous see, that they're the going to hit. dungeon, that's the one with those irritating cupidy things that shoot arrows at you. Right. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the classroom that's that's modeled after the uh, the the, the match Valentine's dating Day the Valentine's yeah. Day theme off of uh, off of Persona Three, uh, which I, I find that was a little bit of a disappointment because the first one was Alice in Wonderland, which okay that's cool uh, an Adrian Odyssey game in the first dungeon. Imaginatively enough, it's kind of a you know an Alice in, in Wonderland take. And then, you know, so for the second one, I'm hoping for something equally imaginative and original. And the, But the Valentine's Day theme, I don't know, it's a little too close to Alice in Wonderland for me. I was kind of hoping for something completely out in left field. So, anywho, uh, yeah, I haven't run into Cupid yet, just enemies that hit like a truck. And, uh, and that uh, worries me because if two of them hit the same character, that character will be KO'd. Um, so, uh, if he's not defending... Which I'm not going to put my whole front line on defense, just because I'm worried about getting hit twice. That's that's kind of silly, but uh, really kind of enjoying it. Got the got those you know sub persona things going on. What an interesting mechanic! So the the sub persona or whatever adds hit points and magic points to your character. Like let's say your character normally has fifty, they'll add twenty, you have a total seventy. When you cast a spell, your your magic points will come first off of that pool of of bonus points, and those 
are automatically replenished after the, the 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 temporary ones are whatever the ones the personas give you those are replenished but if you start chewing into your own magic points your 50 well those don't replenish so it is kind of a cool concept because in every battle now, I just want to cast maybe one, maybe two spells. Of course, now if you hit a critical or you exploit an enemy's weakness, your next spell's free. So that helps too. But it really, it's like, okay, that makes me think about magic more strategically because in most JRPGs, it's it's either I'm in survival mode and I don't cast spells at all. It's just attack, 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 heal. Because generally speaking, that will chew up less magic points per battle than trying to cast the occasional fire and ice spell. It just depends on the game. But uh, or you get the games where magic points are plenty, or they're easy to replenish, or it's not a big deal. So why not cast, especially if it does do more damage, or you have area effects or whatever. So there's there's not a whole lot there. But in this one, yeah, you're like, okay, wait a minute, do I can I exploit some weaknesses? Should I try this first if it's a new enemy? Yeah, you know, you're kind of looking at that a little bit more carefully. So uh, that's that that's kind of a, it's got me thinking a little more at least. Um, so I'm kind of enjoying. I kind of enjoy the combat. Of course, that the fact that it has the uh, rap song. Did I talk about the rap song last time, Mike? Do you remember? Did Mike, Mike the, there? Yeah. What, the, 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 the Persona the Q. Theme? Yeah, the battle theme. Did I talk about I that last time? I, I don't think you did, so go ahead. Okay, all right, so get this, guys. Really funny story. So I, I love the battle theme song in this. I mean, you're, I'm just listening through the 3DS speakers, and I'm like... Yeah, I'd like to hear it with surround sound or something like that. So I pull it up okay, on... I, rem- I remember playing it at work and several people around me just saying, turn that off. <laughs> yeah, well, so I put it on, I put it on my, my, you know, I pull it up on YouTube on my phone. I'm playing it in the car because I just keep playing it over and over again. And it's stuck in my head. It's all Persona songs. Their main song with the vocals always gets stuck in my head. And so I'm playing that one. And, and my wife, Shirley, she's in the car with me and she's like... Did did this the song say you keep blinking at me and 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 I said I I, I don't really really know uh, because I never understand the words to you know Persona Three Persona Four reaching out to the truth or whatever have you I only know I can only figure out the words to the main chorus like a few of the words like usually the title words I'm reaching for the truth something 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 I I can never figure out any of the words after that but it kept bugging her she's like I swear it says he's blinking at me what does that have to do with anything what does blinking at me have to do with anything <laughs> and and it was just you know it was just driving her crazy so we looked it up online and let me tell you guys something uh, and that got that these these um uh, the these songs that they write for these persona games at least the english take i don't know what the original japanese if they had one but they're really they, messed they're pro- up there probably wasn't one yeah they were pro- like sung by japanese people most likely as well as written by them so yeah english all the way i'm sure yeah yeah it's just it's just horrible you know view that i see is not flat more like a panorama more to it, more of a drama, going gorilla bananas. I just want to have a lot of fun in life, surviving the riding I'm driving. No idol in battle, and I keep it dazzle. Yeah, okay, makes complete sense. But I, I, I just, I just keep listening to it over, and I got a playlist now that I play at work just to drive people crazy. Well, geez, so, Phil, I don't know what your problem is. Those lyrics sound perfectly intelligible if you wrote them down the instant you woke up and before you had anything else in your system. I, I know, right? Now the two, the two last lines in verse one kind of make sense. Next level, explore with my crew, supporters, still conquesting forward with my crew. Okay, that's Persona Q. You're going with your friends, your crew, and you're moving forward, you know, conquering lots of, you know, per, you know shadows. So, okay, th- those two lines make sense. Nothing else. 
pretty much in the song makes sense at all but i love the vocals and you got the rap and then you go into the lady vocals and they got kind of like two versions based on if you're doing a persona three or four team it's it's pretty cool so i don't know that, that was pretty funny so yeah still doing uh still doing uh some persona q there playing some red dead redemption at night when i just need to kill things so not really an rpg i suppose but it's one of those really, really good games, speaking of sequels coming out, that, you know, they're talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm like, I have never sat down and played the original. I've had lots of friends say it's super awesome. I've played Grand Theft Auto. I've enjoyed All Grand Theft Auto games. All I remember about Red Dead Redemption is, see, I had a late night dining job at the time, and there was a TV in the lounge, and I got to watch ads for it on, frequently. So I remember seeing the ad, but I never played the actual game. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 you know it, it's it's pretty cool, but I think it's more cool because of the setting. Um, you know, I guess I'm kind of a little burned down the gameplay from playing so many Grand Theft Autos and the fact that you got there, you know, the horses and, and whatever have you don't mechanically change anything. Um, they are much harder to navigate around than cars. They they don't quite turn as quickly and stuff. But um, uh, the, you know, the gun plays very similar. Slightly different weapons, but it pretty much comes to, boils down to the same thing. But I, I enjoy. I'm one of those weird, weird people that I'm not huge into open world stuff. Uh, I actually, what I enjoy most out of those games is the story. I like working through the the stories. So uh, that's been pretty cool so far. You meet some very interesting characters, and the voice acting is great. And just listen to them yammer, you know, back and forth. And then we do some shooting to help them out and get back to some more yammering. So that that's pretty fun. Uh, yeah. So. I think that's all. oh pretty much uh, pretty much it right now. Yep. So and yeah, so we're gonna keep on plugging away. So as I get through my Persona games, then I can get back to my my Dragon Quest track. Woo! Because Dragon Quest Eight doesn't that come out this week or something? Sometime this year. I thought it was like I thought it was coming soon. out in January, but what? that's. Hmm. All right, now I'm googling it up because I I could have swore it was sooner rather than later. Uh, price at checkout January twentieth, so three days. Okay, I knew it was on its way because I saw YouTube on it. <laughs> Why did but, you, January twentieth? Yeah, as in three days from the recording of this podcast. Well, that also means a Friday, which is odd because usually it's a Tuesday and it's a very special Friday. But was, we, we shouldn't was, go into it, that. It's a Nintendo published game. Nintendo published games come out on Fridays. Okay. Because they're Nintendo and they can do that. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. And total, total aside here, because you know, totally off base track for the backtrack. But what did y'all think of the Nintendo Switch presentation? I'm excited myself. Woo-hoo! I don't think I can pick one up right away, but I'm excited. Yeah, switching it up. You have any thoughts, Mike? Not yet. I tend to wait and see just. I know that some interesting software seems to be on the way, but I'd rather see it actually fully out and make sure that it's in the best, in tip-top shape before I say, Whoa! Look! It's a new Mario game! Well, what a shock. <laughs> Fair enough. I would be super excited if they would announce that somehow, and I know it's not possible because it's different hardware, but um, if somehow some of my eShop games, either for my 3DS or my Wii U or even Wii or whatever, like the like the virtual console games, if if the games I had are a virtual console, actually those those should work. If if those if they could just bring that library over to the new console, then that would be awesome because I don't want to buy all those games 
over again to have them in a different format. You know what I'm saying? Right. They haven't even mentioned Virtual Console for the Mm -mm. Switch, I don't think. But I think that would, like, get me instant in because I do have a good library uh, between the Wii and the Wii U, which right now I have them separate. I have a Wii U and I have a Wii, and they each have separate games because they're really not talking to each other very well. Um, I knew there was some sort of program they described that you could pay a little extra and somehow bring some of the... It was way too confusing for me. I just know, like, with a PC, you get a new PC upgrade, your games come in. Old games, new games, whatever. Um, you know, PlayStation, little little better than that, but not by much. Uh, but it was... Um, uh, yeah, I just got. I don't want to buy all those games again. But if I had those games and I had them in a format that I could take on the go or play on my TV, oh yeah, shoot! Talk about instant added in value. Indeed, mm-hmm. uh, let's hope so. Let's hope so because that's especially exciting. Just you know, take carry with you on the go or put it on your TV, yeah. and just the possibilities of games that I want to play with my sister that I haven't been able to because you know it's on a little three DS screen. As much as I like my handheld, it'd be nice to be able to show those major scenes on a bigger screen yeah click uh-huh. click you just bring over the little hdmi plug it right in very portable mm-hmm. uh, i liked uh i liked how when they were doing the presentation they showed that in the gamecube that was one of their thinkologies was hey you could take your gamecube to a friend's house and that's why i had the big that's handle the handles, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that see i didn't i just i didn't re- i didn't i never carried my gamecube around anywhere it just sat there in my living room so i thought it was weird there was this big black thing hanging out the top Never occurred to me that the idea was you take your GameCube over to your friends. It has four. I, I was very antisocial as a nerd. I still am. So, <laughs> yeah, but it, it didn't occur to me that that was for the social aspect. And that's it also has four holes in the front. So you go over to your friends and you you play some Smash Brothers or something and plug it right in. So that, that's kind of an interesting uh, an interesting thing there. So, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Um, alrighty. Well, we thank you all so much for listening. As a reminder, RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. Your home for news, reviews, oh, all kind of videos, and home to the best RPG gaming community on the net. Uh, you can you can uh, leave us your comments on our forums there. We always have a thread for the newest show, so feel free to jump on there and tell us your thoughts. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. Mr. Minky is at Jume Syn, Sin. And Miss Cassandra Ramos, you are at uh, Strawberry at Eggs? Berry eggs. Oh, at Berry, berry eggs. eggs. Yeah, someone at, took Strawberry Eggs. Bad Berry Eggs? At. at, at berry oh, oh, I thought you were a Bad Berry. No. <laughs> bad berry. Nobody bad. wants a bad berry. You just yeah. Know. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. That was a negative name. Yeah, that's not, I was not, so just just saying. So berry eggs. Yeah. Berry eggs. Okay. And uh and whatnot. So you know, feel free to leave us your comments. We like to read them on the air. Uh we'll, we'll actually do it next time, unlike this time where we kind of skipped over because we got kind of behind. Uh but yeah, we'd love to hear you what you think. Uh you know, the other day somebody was talking to me about their thoughts with the game, uh, one of the uh, retro games, you know, retro game talk and the such, and I encouraged him and I encourage all of you, I do this every once in a blue moon, just to remind you that you can actually uh, you know record your thoughts in an MP3 format and you can send it to me. Um, just tweet me and I'll give you further instructions. But generally speaking, you want to keep it to around five minutes. You want to kind of get the bullet points or scripted ahead of time so that you don't sound like you're totally stopping or whatnot. You don't drag it out. A little editorial um, goes yeah, a long way. There was uh, this really cool thing. Character? Um, character. I like character. Th- th- character thingy. Yeah. I, I got to check out that 
um, name. And the, and the music was amazing and um, stuff. Yeah. So yeah, there, re- there was a lot of cool stuff. Cool. So, so a little research goes a long way. A little editing goes a long way. But uh, if you if you sound halfway professional and you got that in five minutes, you can zip that up into an MP3. I'll I'll tell you where to mail it to, and uh, and we will be happy to add it into the end of our show. Didn't you used to do that for us, Miss uh, Cassandra? Yeah. Before, well, before you were a staff was, member. Before I was a staff member, I was. I might have been the only one that did that. Actually, yeah, I know. Yeah, there was like two. And Zol- Zoltan had done one or two. Yeah, and that was pretty. Yeah, after you came on, and you know you're an official member of the podcast. Um, Congratulations! I, I sent one in once too because I missed the uh, the the magical star sign backtrack. I still regret that. Uh yeah, yeah. I know how you feel. I, I the one podcast I made. What was it? Was it? I forget which one it was, but it was one that I was actually you know pretty familiar with. I was like, oh, so you hate it when that happens. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're happy to get your your comments uh, stuck to the end of one of these and talk about your favorite um, RPGs, especially if it has to do with one of our you know. Um, current episodes that's that's super super awesome but even if it's something like your memory your favorite memories of final fantasy 6 which we all know is the best final fantasy game so you know feel free uh, to share those thoughts and we'd love to hear you anywho um i believe that's everything mr minky do you want to put us to bed hmm. i i could just say and that would probably do it so good night and remember where the fairy flies Airy lies. Flying airy, yep.